Thanks for listening, Unplugged Army. I'm Louis Unga, General Manager at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're proud to present Doug Franz Unplugged. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Four minutes. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Thing you need to know in sports that affects Maricopa County, the state of Arizona, and the world, you get in four minutes. We start things off in downtown Atlanta. Sun split the weekend. We start in Atlanta because that's where they lost on Friday night, 129-120. Trey Young, 32 points, 15 assists. Frank Vogel, what did you see was the major problem Friday night? Yeah, I think we just a little, little careless, careless with the basketball tonight. You know, this position wasn't great to start the game. You know, we have the same energy and, and focus and awareness uh, that we had the last two games, um, you know, both with our defensive disposition and with our ball security. He's right. Suns had 16 turnovers. Atlanta only had nine. And then yesterday, they got the win. They took on the Wizards, ending a seven-game road trip at four and three. Beal had 43 points, 141-12 winner. Bradley Beal, how'd it feel lighting up your old team? Um, first, I want to give my praises to God. I mean, my biggest thing is missing them, uh, missing the environment, miss being in the city, all the relationships I've built with people from uh, the workers up top to the custodians down low. Like it's, uh, it's been a, a thrill of 11 years of being here and tonight was awesome. Now Suns have the day off at home and they take on Milwaukee tomorrow night downtown. The Bucks are in second place in the East. Bad weekend, Devils get swept by the no-cal schools. Cal won Saturday. 81 to 66. Bobby Hurley, what are you seeing from the bench? Well, there was we weren't out of connected as a team in the first half. We, it was it was you know it was five individuals out there playing. Um, yeah, got better in the second half, but it didn't matter. It was too late. ASU heads to the mountains now. They take on Colorado Thursday night. U of A got beat up in the first half and then crushed Stanford, Stanford in the second half, 48-26. They were a winner yesterday, 82-71. to What'd you think, Tommy Lloyd? Great game. I mean, I got a ton of respect for Stanford. I mean, they, they play really well against us and talented players, well coached. And, uh, I mean, you know, they're, they're, they were deserving tonight. And luckily in the second half, um, and our guys played a little bit better and we were playing at home and we were able to kind of kind of right the ship a little bit. But a t- ton of respect for them and how they play. Caleb Love had 18 points, eight boards, seven assists, and overall looked great. Ballo had a great game. Now they go to the Mountain Schools. They take on Utah Thursday night. TCU improved to 21 and 2. They beat Utah Valley 86-67. Ray Harrison had 21 points in the win. They now come home, but they don't play for the whole week. They'll take on Southern Utah Saturday night. Coyotes news. Gary Bettman, the uh, commissioner of the league, says he believes Alex Morello will get a new arena done. But the NHL executive director ripped the Coyotes for not speaking to the union at all about their plans. The state of Arizona did acknowledge that a law firm has applied to purchase state trust land in Northeast Phoenix, and they are representing the Coyotes. Well, this is cool. Congratulations to Pinnacle High School Spencer Rattler. He is your senior bowl and uh, MVP. And one other piece of funny NFL news, 
the remember the Raiders offensive coordinator Cliff Kingsbury? Yeah, he didn't actually take the job after it was reported he would. He's now the Washington Commanders OC. And finally, the London Area Health Administration is worried about the spiking of STDs in London metro area, so they issued a map. And on this map, they're trying to explain what's going on and where the highest concentration of STDs are in the city of London. There's just one catch. Who thought it was funny to have the map colored in blood red in the middle, dark red on the outside, and framed in pink? We get your little STD joke, Mr. Health Administrator. Thank goodness the River Thames flows from east to west and doesn't flow vertically. Jackpot Unplugged Army, I feel like a true commander-in-chief to be able to give you such an unprecedented savings. Go to Unplugged at Whirlwind.com and check out the new membership club from Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Whirlwind Plus. Here's what you get. You sign up for a tee time anytime between now and five days from now, and you can save anywhere from a minimum of 30% up to 60% off plus 15% off at Civlik, the restaurant, and another 15% off in the pro shop. I'm telling you, you walk into the pro shop, get bowls, a shirt, and a hat, you walk over for happy hour with your wife, you might pay for your monthly membership right then and there. It's $34 a month, cancel anytime, or if you want to save even more, because that equals out to a little more than $400, you can get it for only $299 a year. Whirlwind Plus at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Go to unpluggedatwhirlwind.com and feel the wind. I'm Janelle, General Manager of Bell's Nashville Kitchen, a.k.a. The Whiskey Wizard. Bell's isn't your typical country bar with mediocre bar food. We are a scratch kitchen with chef-inspired dishes in the only place you can get the best sandwich in all of Arizona, our Nashville hot chicken sandwich. Now, the drinks. I spend days infusing our own whiskey creations. Come in for Whiskey Wednesdays to learn about and drink our famous whiskey selection. We have live music most days and all weekend as part of our honky-tonk brunch. Bell's Nashville Kitchen on Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale. You found home, down home. Just one of those fantastic weekends. That's all, that's all I could say. Those weekends where you feel like you get a lot of work done, so you feel good about that, but you had a lot of husband time, you had a lot of dad time. I had an absolutely great weekend, and now we get to celebrate with 49 degrees and rain all week. Here we go. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever it is that you've decided to make Doug Franz unplugged a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Franz, and you have found the only podcast and TV show in the world totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises of one great American city that drops on your phone and your TV every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, U of A, GCU, the Rattlers, the Rising, and the Merck. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Hello. Hopefully everything went as great for your weekend. Supposedly, today is supposed to be mostly sunny and 74. The rest of the week, except for maybe Friday afternoon, rain and rain and rain and rain. I have never heard the phrase, have you ever heard this phrase, atmospheric river? I've never heard that phrase in my life. Atmospheric river. 
<laughs> it's like guys are making up terms we've never heard of. But supposedly over the coast or over the Pacific coast on about Friday was the atmospheric river that's then slammed into California Saturday, Sunday, and today. It hits us coming up tomorrow and lasts all the way tomorrow, Wednesday, Thursday. In case you didn't realize, today is the day in which the Phoenix Open has the last qualifier. So there's been qualifying tournaments all around the Valley. It's such a cool story. Since it's called the Phoenix Open, you may not realize this, but you're allowed to play in it. You're allowed to play in the Phoenix Open, but you have to earn a qualifying spot in order to get in. So they had all of these tournaments all around the Valley, and you had to win that tournament to then get invited or finish in like maybe they had three spots or the top four of each of these little qualifiers. Then the big qualifier is today. And it's supposedly like there's 140 golfers and nine of the golfers have won on the PGA Tour. It's something like that. Then you've got all the corn fairy guys and then you have regular schmoes and they're all out there today to try to play in order to pick up three spots. You finish in first place, second place, or third place today. You actually play Thursday and Friday. And then you make the cut, you actually get paid. How about that? It's kind of cool, but uh, a little bit of a pipe dream in, in order to uh, for some of these guys to do it. But I, I still think it's cool that they tried. So that's going on today. And then tomorrow and Wednesday, supposed to be all the practice rounds, the pro-am, and everything else. And yet, I don't see how they're going to get that done. And then you've got highs barely getting to 52 degrees. This is going – I'm interested to see what is the attendance of this year's Phoenix Open with the weather for the first time in years reasonably not cooperating. But Saturday and Sunday, supposed to be nice. Supposed to be just fine. And Friday afternoon starting to uh, clear up a little bit. Uh, I, I – I love the event for what it does for the community. I love what the Thunderbirds do for the community, so I hope it really does well. But, man, uh, I, it, I'm going to be hard-pressed to think that it's, uh, it's going to be a great time out there. Uh, my weekend was wonderful. Friday night, had a had a home date night with Jennifer. She made chicken parmesan. We, we actually sat at the kitchen table and, and, like, talked. That was strange. Her name's Jennifer, I found out. Um, so that was, that was a wonderful night. And then Saturday morning, got up, went out to Burrito Express, a Jeff Weir production and his daughter stopped by and, uh, and Jeff, what'd you, uh, what'd you get if you're, if you're not wandering around somewhere? I can't see Jeff Weir production, so I have no idea if he's anywhere near a microphone. What'd you, what, what, did you get anything, Jeff? He said a Burrito Supreme. Oh, okay. That's gamer. I had the, uh, exact same thing. And that was, uh. Mine was wonderful, and uh, boy, I felt bad, though. Somebody came up for my autograph, and I, uh, some little kid, because I sat at a table. A bunch of ASU players were there, and they had left, but I was sitting in front of the sign that said, you know, what my name was. I forget what player. I think I was Elijah Badger. I, might, I don't know if I look like Elijah Badger. Um, I would say he's probably in a little better shape than I am. But some little kid came up and asked for my autograph, and, and the dad, no, I, honey, that's 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 not Elijah Badger. I think he was getting ready to say that's no one, and then realized that's kind of rude. He goes, that's 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 not Elijah Badger, honey. Uh, oh, okay. And, 
And that was kind of, that was kind of funny. Uh, I, I should have said, no, I'll sign it. I'll sign it. And act like I'm important and just have the kid go, oh, okay. I don't know how the dad would have reacted to that. And then I did something really cool. Both of my kids were with me at the event as the uh, new Burrito Express is uh, on Kyrene and Elliott in South Tempe. So McKenna was there, intern McKenna, and I was able to take both girls to the ASU game, in which a friend of mine let me mooch his extra ticket, and McKenna has student tickets. So those two sat together and watched the game while I sat in the, in the press area. So that was cool for the two of them to sit there, and then the game started. <laughs> it suddenly wasn't cool anymore. Oh, my goodness. There are problems at ASU right now. And I did get my first text from a source asking me what kind of names are out there to possibly be the head coach of Arizona State basketball. First one, first actual, you know, uh, booster text saying, what are we going to do here? And it's not good. That was a terrible weekend for, uh, for ASU. Afterwards, went to 100 Mile Brewing Company with the owner of Bell's National Kitchen. That was cool. And uh, Mikey and his wife, Katie, sat there, had beers and cheese curds and talked forever. Had a fantastic time with my girls. Had, just had a great weekend. And then yesterday, hardcore work. I watched every senior bowl practice that was on the DVR. I watched U of A. I watched... Um, what else did I watch? I watched both Sun ga- Suns games yesterday. One thing I have not done as of yet is Saturday was a crazy day for college basketball. So those great day games from uh, Tennessee over Kentucky. Nice job, Jeff Weir Production. Um, the Baylor game. Uh, there was one other one, and I can't remember what it is. But they're all on the DVR, so I got some heavy college basketball left to do that I haven't watched. But I had a great weekend. Hopefully uh, your weekend. Went just as well. You're rested up, ready to go. Uh, I still unplugged Army. All I can say is I'm sorry. I love the guy. I don't know what's going on. But clearly, my buddy Sweet Lou is just absolutely swamped because unplugged at whirlwind.com has still not been upgraded as of yet, or updated, I should say, to be ready to accept you signing up for tea times for our um, sanctioned event. And it's supposed to be a combination with the spa for you to present something in a week and a half to your bride of being or to your girlfriend to be able to say, hey, we've got this spa event. And then I got a text from my father reminding me, you know, girls play golf. So make sure you're saying that they can both golf, they can both get to the spa or however they want it to work. My dad is right. So don't forget. February 23rd, Friday afternoon, first tea time is at noon, and start lining things up, getting your buddies ready, so as soon as this goes live, you'll be able to sign up, and I'll send a note to Sweet Lou today to kind of check in and see how we're doing on being able to get the site live and ready to go to uh, accept everything, and uh, I can't wait to see you. Uh, We're still going to have a great time. It'll be, if you're not able to make it out on the 23rd, don't forget, oh, that's nice. Oh, here we go. Yeah, go to, I had to think about it though, go to uh, Civlik for lunch or go to Civlik for happy hour or come for dinner. I'll be there for breakfast around 10 or 10.30 and then I'm going to be playing golf at noon and then I'll hang out for happy hour and dinner. So I'd love to see you out there as a member of the Unplugged Army so we can show great representation. And then uh, I'd also like your thoughts 
uh, and prayers coming up. Wednesday is a new meeting, which could be the biggest meeting of my life, and it will it could totally take um, the unplugged army in an incredible new direction. And I am so jacked up, and I hope I'm doing a good job, kind of as uh, role model seems a little arrogant and strong, but just. Somebody that's earning your respect, who got smacked in the face, knocked down, and is building everything back up and showing you that no matter what adventures happen in life, you can do the same thing. You can turn it around as well. And uh, I, I can't wait till Wednesday. I can't believe Wednesday is happening. I'll tell you more about it down the road, but I'm pretty excited about it. Sound credits today, the uh, Arizona Wildcats YouTube page gave us Tommy Lloyd. Sun Devil Source gave us Bobby Hurley from Saturday. Got two things from the Suns. Uh, the Suns YouTube channel gave us, um, I believe that's where you might, uh, Izzy, where did you get um, Frank Vogel from, from yesterday? Was it the Suns YouTube page? Suns YouTube page. Okay. And, uh, and then Arizona's family gave us Bradley Beal. And uh, and then I think that's it. Oh, and I know Jeff Weir Production is well, – well, I'll give you the sound credit when I know where he's getting it from, but he's working on a lot of NHL stuff because I'm hoping to talk a little Coyotes and Gary Bettman today. And I think that's it. Izzy, how was your weekend? You did a ton last week here at work. Did you uh, get to lay around? Oh, yeah, I fell asleep. Yeah, had, oh. some, had some great sleep over the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> is the uh, – is does the girlfriend accept you just sleeping all the time because of the strange hours we work? No, she's just more upset that I'm here. <laughs> In all honesty, <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, I I, re, I remember those days. Trust me, I remember those days. I was already married though, so Jennifer couldn't really go anywhere. We uh, uh we got married only a year after I graduated from high uh, from college. So then it was really? like, whoa, yeah, this is this is what you married woman making four seventy five an hour for fourteen hours a day. We used to eat dinner at the radio station. Uh, really? Yeah, she would she would make dinner and then just pack it in this little thing, whatever it was, some some tote thing, and uh, and then she'd come over to the studio and then we'd eat dinner while I was working and stuff like that. It was, uh, it maybe, but it wasn't like we had any money to go anywhere, so it didn't really it didn't really matter when you make four seventy five an hour. You ain't you ain't going out to dinner. So yeah. <laughs> we would have just sat at home and watched TV. So we just sat at the office and talked, and I taught her how to be a program director so she could help me when I could get done sooner. <laughs> yeah. Cool, cool. Then I might, I might need help producing then. There you go. Yeah, that's soon. true. That's true. <laughs> Wonderful romantic times, let me tell you, in a shack radio station. Uh, all right, let's roll. Doug's Big One. Doug's big one today. The number one opinion I've got for you is simply, it's about time. It's about time. And I got to ask the question, if you have that much emotion and can do that yesterday, where has it been? Bradley Beal yesterday was unbelievable. Came out with an intensity that we haven't seen at all, all year. He had 43 points, and he had more assists than missed shots. 43 points, 16 of 21 shooting, 6 assists, and dominated the first quarter of the game. Bradley, where's that been? Why? And now, we understand what happened. The emotions of facing your old team. You wanted them to see that you're not old, 
and you wanted them to see they still could have built around you if they had had any idea what they were doing. And there's the emotions of wanting to put on a show in front of friends and family. Bradley Beal, I get all of that. But I have to ask, why haven't you been able to bring that much emotion to the other games? This isn't disrespect to Bradley Beal. I greatly respect a guy who takes an elbow in the nose and gets it broken. And then against Atlanta, takes a forearm to the very same nose and goes down. And then turns around and plays 36 hours later. I have a lot of respect for Bradley Beal. But if you can do what you did against the Wizards, and granted the Wizards aren't very good, then why haven't you been able to do that against other teams? Where has that been? That should tap into something. That should let you know something. That when you are aggressive, you fit this team very well. And when you're not aggressive, you don't. And it's too easy to just sit back and say, wow, Bradley Beal went off, it's great. And everybody's happy for Bradley Beal because he had his best game of the year when it mattered most to him. I'd like to flip that around. Bradley Beal, why haven't other games meant that much to you? This is not an intentional attack on your will to win, your competitive desire, or anything like that. But it is, I hope, an eye-opener for you. To be able to look at yourself and say, if I can do that one game, I can do that more often. Now, no, I'm not expecting Bradley Beal to average 40 points a game between now and the championship parade, okay? I don't think he's going to go 16 of 21 every game, and I totally get that when you play somewhere 41 games a year, you have much better sight lines, much better vision, much better knowledge of what you're doing on the court with the way the sight lines are everywhere you go. You feel at home. You feel more comfortable. You're going to play better. I get that part. So, therefore, I'm not expecting him to score 43 points every game. But I do look at it and say, you played with more emotion. You played with more passion. You played with more aggression. You had a sense of urgency at Washington that you haven't had anywhere else this year. That's actually on you. That's not on the Wizards. That's not on family and friends. That's not, that's not on anything but you deciding this is my game. All right. Why don't you do the same thing tomorrow night? Trust me. Booker and Durant will figure out how to get theirs. Nurkic can score any point he wants by getting an offensive rebound. Nurkic, you want the ball more? Go get it off the glass. And that's not a slam. Nurkic has not been standing there whining, wishing he was being used differently. But Bradley Beal, quit wondering how you fit. Just go. Start playing like that. And with that sense of urgency, suddenly the entire season changes for the Phoenix Suns. This is the same team that lost to Atlanta, and that's where there are problems. All right. That sucks big one. Let's stay here, though, and just go ahead and and keep talking Suns this morning about what happened over the weekend and uh, everything that that I saw. And then feel free to jump in Town Hall Tuesday coming up tomorrow for any of the things that you saw that that are on your mind. Um, uh, It it was a struggle for me, uh, the Friday night game. 
and that's where my focus is, 129-120, a loser, 16 turnovers, and the bench got outscored 46-21. to Isn't it interesting, Beal did have 10 assists in the Friday night game, but he had 14 points on 5 of 16 shooting. So Friday night, he makes five baskets. Sunday night, he only misses five baskets out of 21 shots dramatically different. I also stare down Frank Vogel a little bit for Friday night's game. Trey Young had 32 points, 15 assists in this game. One of the best games of the year for Trey Young. I'm assuming you knew Trey Young was there, Frank Vogel. Here's what I didn't understand. There is a theory where some people will say Trey Young is a streaky shooter. So let's not challenge his 30-foot jump shots. Let's see if he gets on a roll. And then if he gets on a roll, then we'll try to take that shot away. But why try to defend the 30-foot shot when he can so easily drive and score or drive and dish and set up somebody else's score? Let's take away the driving lanes. Let me tell you why I so strongly disagree with that with a player like Trey Young. Why would you wait to find out whether or not Trey Young is going to succeed in the 30-foot jumpers? Why not get up in his grill right from the beginning and force the ball out of his hands? Why not have more of a pack line? And I realize you don't really play a true pack line defense in the NBA. But why don't you spend more people and have more bodies in front of him and force him to get rid of it? After the first six minutes of this game, after Trey Young was already hot, then what the uh, what they started doing is double teaming him almost immediately. At the beginning of the game, they were switching all screens to keep somebody in front of him. The problem was it took them about twenty seconds to figure out that was your game plan. And the first five minutes of the game, it was Nurkic versus Trey Young. Now, let's just think about that for a second, Mr. Defensive Coordinator Frank Vogel. If you woke up that morning and said, I'm going to try to stop Trey Young by having Nurkic defend him one-on-one, you're an idiot. And I know that's not what you tried to do. But really, what's the difference between that decision and letting them switch everything so the Hawks figure it out and get Nurkic on Trey Young every time? Now, after about the uh, eight, seven-minute mark of the first quarter, they continued to switch everything. But as soon as the ball ended up back in Trey Young's hands, then they immediately doubled. So it didn't matter if it was Nurkic. It became Nurkic and somebody else, forcing the ball out of Trey Young's hands. By that time, Trey Young's already hot. It's too late. And Trey Young destroyed your defense. I think that was a big-time mistake by Frank Vogel in that game. Now, when I'm discussing problems with the coach, keep in mind I didn't think the effort was really there other than maybe Kevin Durant. The team did not have the effort and energy. The team became turnover machines. And Frank Vogel, I realize it's hard to coach when a team doesn't have energy. But maybe a better defensive game plan in the beginning would have driven a lot of energy. Maybe if you're double-teaming, everybody knows I've got to step up and run. When you switch everything defensively, that's the new version of lazy man defense. 
It's the new version of a high school 2-3 zone when you just sit and pack it in and see if a high school team can shoot over the top. And then everybody stands on defense, and then you're shocked when everybody stands on offense because you have everybody standing all the time. Well, when you do this little cheesy rotation and we're going to switch everything, defense is easy. Just kind of waltz with your guy and up you've got a new guy stay in front of him. Oh, he got by me. And everybody's just worried about the guy they got switched on to instead of keeping five people of the other team out of the paint and going over the top of screens. See, if you're a competitor, you can fight and go over the top of a screen. You don't have to sit there and chase all the time. Bad game plan to start the game, and that's why the Suns lost the game. Now, they beat the Wizards. That's nice. They beat them 141-12, played much better. I'm happy about that. But let me tell you something about this uh, road trip. The road trip, you only went 4-3, and three, playing mostly weaker teams. And in the stretch of games where the Suns are like saying, like, like try to tell us how much better they played, they went 15-6 and six in their last stretch of 21 games. When you look at the stand, not the standings, when you look at their schedule and you see all the green W's next to all these games, it looks nice. Hey, Suns are playing well, 15-6. and six. Well, let me tell you something about these games from December 27th until February 4th. The record of the teams they played are 488 and 539. The combination is about 51 games below 500. The winning percentage combined is 475. Keep in mind when I tell you this, they played the Clippers twice who are fantastic totally elevating that record it would be much worse so yes it's better than the alternative yes the suns went 15 and 6 yes they're going to try to tell us they're hot right now okay but when you're playing against teams like the pacers when you're playing against teams like the clippers you didn't really come away victorious very often so the better teams on that list you lost to, and you barely beat the bad teams. And some of the bad teams, like Atlanta, beat you. I'm excited because Beal went for 40 if he allows that to translate. But they're going to try to sell you things are good. I'm not. Let's see about tomorrow. If Bradley Beal comes out aggressive, they don't play lazy defense, then we've got something. Milwaukee's legit, and Milwaukee's coming in angry after their last game and some of the battles that went on. Let's see what happens in this game against the Suns for our first test of an actual championship-caliber team in a while. Uh, Trade deadline is coming up tomorrow, uh, Thursday. Trade deadline is Thursday. Suns basically have three things to offer. Well, four things to offer. A package of second-round picks, that's nothing. Some unbelievable trade exceptions. They have a $6.5 million trade exception and a $5 million trade exception. Those are valuable to be able to help somebody else dump salary. The catch is you don't really have anything to give that team. So you would have to double up. You would have to say, we'll give you second-round picks just to dump this salary on us. So the number one name that's being mentioned is Miles Bridges because Charlotte would love 
to dump Miles Bridges. But why would they want to dump Miles Bridges? Because he is allegedly a beater of women. He is allegedly somebody that's going to be going to court for attacking the mother of his children. He's allegedly not a good person. Matt Ishby, I don't know how you think. I know you're in a massive quest to win a championship. We all appreciate that. But there's one thing about Phoenix that you probably don't know. There are standards, and those standards were set by Jerry Colangelo, and it doesn't matter that Jerry Colangelo is no longer here. It does not matter. We hold ourselves to standards. I don't want Miles Bridges. Don't want him. Is he innocent until proven guilty? Yes. In a court in Charlotte. He's innocent until proven guilty. Let's let him go through everything in Charlotte. And then if he's found innocent there, fine. Then we make the move. Until then, let's let him stay in Charlotte. Please. Let's look at the game yesterday in a little, not through my eyes anymore, but in through the eyes of the participants. Let's uh, let's start with Frank Vogel, if you would, uh, Izzy. And, uh, of course, the first question to him is simply, what would you see from Bradley Beal when, uh, when he goes off for 43 and, like I said earlier, more assists than missed field goal attempts? That's why we're excited to get him in, in Phoenix. And uh, he showed it tonight, 16 for 21, 43 points, played great defense, came out of the gates sharing the basketball. I think he had three assists before he got a bucket and played the game the right way. Can't help but ask, all right, can he do that more often? You know, that's what it was. I did not like at all the lack of urgency against Atlanta. Why the team came out and laid an egg in the first five minutes, I have no idea. But they looked so much more intentional at the beginning of this game with Washington and put them away early. Frank. I thought we played the game with an edge that was lacking in Atlanta. You know, and I think our guys were all uh, aggravated with how that game went. They all know that we didn't come out with the right disposition. And um, when you're getting stops and then you're playing in the open court, we can be really dynamic offensively. I, I struggle with the we don't come out with the right disposition. I, I've said this for the 17 years that I've lived here in Phoenix. And that is, explain to me how a city has one championship in the four major sports one and any of our teams come out as if the regular season doesn't matter I kind of get it when you're a perennial champion when you're always the top two seed I can understand how you have a bad series a bad road trip a bad first quarter I get it you have your eyes on bigger prizes and you just lose a little focus and the other team has good players too. I get it. But explain to me what the Suns have won in the last 52 years that allows you to say, you know what, we're going to take this game off. And before you say, listen, no player ever says we're going to take this game off. Okay, let me ask this. Are are you right in the thick of a one seed and you just came off of a great game and you had a little de- uh, letdown? No. You went four and three. You went four and three on this road trip. At the time, you were only three and three. And even worse than that, you were just three and two going into the Atlanta game and didn't have the urgency. It doesn't make sense. That's a lack of leadership. And they're still trying to find each other, and I don't know why it's taken this long. 
I'll get to a, one idea after Kevin Durant talks here in just a minute. But here is uh, Frank Vogel talking about a subject. Let's give Steve McCollum some credit, the main event coming up 8 to 10. And he has been on more bowl bowl in the world. I just don't understand. <laughs> I watch bowl bowl and I just struggle. I, I just watch it and think, how does no one break this guy in half? Why doesn't anybody take him to the hole, expose the footwork, and basically embarrass him with muscle? And I'm the one that has to eat it on this because Bull Bull contributes. Yeah, he looked great. You know, he's really grown uh, from the time that we were working with him in the summer to to trying to play the, within himself, uh, play the right way. And um, he gives us a whole different dynamic. You know, I mean, he's getting rebounds and tips and stuff that is just above everybody else. And, you know, you can see, see the, the skill set that he has. Now, I don't know if there's a bunch of 50- and 60-year-old season ticket holders in Washington. But one thing that was really cool, a, a large part of the career of Manute Bull was as a Washington Bullet. And there were a lot of cheers every time Bull Bull did something. I, I thought that was pretty cool. I, I really thought that was neat, hearing him get cheered by the Washington crowd. So congratulations to Bull Bull. And uh, I'm assuming that was a little bit of a, of a family moment. All right, the record looks okay. looks not as great as we wanted, but it looks okay when the big three are together. Frank, what are you seeing right now when you've got Beal and Booker and KD together? Well, we've gotten healthier, and we've, you know, every, every that those three guys get to play together, having missed so much of the early part of the season, uh, every game that those guys get to play together, they get to learn each other just a, a little bit more. You know, so I think there was a lot of that going on on this trip. This is going to be weird, Izzy. Um, if you could, I want one, one, two, two. <laughs> KD one, Beal one, KD two, Beal two. And the reason why I want to do this is that the the first quotes from each guy are basically about Bradley Beal. So let's talk about the positive, the forty three points, and you kind of know it as a player when you go through these games. When you when somebody is getting the uh, tribute video when you're going back to somebody's hometown or where he spent the bulk of his career it's kind of their day and it was a good point by Frank Vogel earlier that all of the guys knew let's focus on being able to get the ball to Bradley Beal and what did Beal do Beal had three assists before he took his first shot attempt that does show you that Beal is a good dude, but at the same time, Bradley, when you light it up like this, this is where the bar should be. You should be playing with this level of intensity all the time. KD, what did you see from Bradley Beal? And it felt like everything was a swish, you know? When you see a swish is going like that, that's how you know somebody locked in. <laughs> Legs up under him. Fundamentals is on point. You know, switching shots like that. Over top of contests. And these guys know him too, so they know his moves, they know his tendencies, and he still was able to get to where, where he wanted to go. And, you know, he was pissed off about not making threes last game. And so it was good to see him bounce back and come back and, and, and <laughs> make every shot today. The, uh, I do think that is a human reason that's not a challenge to Bradley Beal's basketball character. There is simply, I stunk, and a competitor has fire to fix it. But 
there's been other games where Bradley Beal hasn't played well and he hasn't come back with a 43-point night. Now, I'm frustrated by it because I think Bradley Beal just showed what he can do and I wonder where it's been. But this isn't a slam on Bradley the person because you can see with the things Brad Beal said after the game, not a lot of people talk about upstairs ushers and downstairs janitors. I don't know. Maybe it's this gym. I'm used to it a little bit. Uh, <laughs> but no, I needed it. I mean, I've, I've been having a few rough games the last couple games, but now you know, I, I just needed to get a little bit of rhythm. I think I got it now. So I'm excited for what's to come. We got a big one on Tuesday. I'm ready to go did love that I did love that I mean that's immediate okay it's the gym I feel good and uh and and you know it's the people here seeing the people and then on top of it it's hey we've he's already turned the page you know right we got a big one on Tuesday I'm feeling back in the groove you know here we go now I really like that this there's a little part of this that I didn't play for you but it's kind of funny in which Kevin Durant was asked about this road trip. And he talks a little bit about it, and he says the team came together a little bit, and then he gets asked to follow up, and the follow-up is about what they did. And he laughs, and he goes, I'm not telling you what we did off the court. So I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened on this road trip, but there had to have been something at a club. There had to have been something over dinner. There had to be something that is something the guys are never going to talk about. But maybe something brought them together. And even though I think you should be frustrated with only a 4-3 and three road trip when most of the teams were dogs, you should be frustrated that they lose games in which Booker scores 60. There's a lot of reasons to not be happy if we truly have a championship mentality with this team. But this does make you feel good that maybe this was the turning point when you hear Kevin Durant talk. Fun road trip. Fun road trip. I mean, we lost some games, but I think we got tighter as a group. We got to know each other on a personal level a little bit more this trip. And that's always good. I feel like we could have been seven and them, you know, the games we lost. Um, but I just love that we was able to come together, hang out, you know, just move around. You know, 13 straight days, 14 straight days with one another. That's how you build a family. So, um, the losses was tough, but I'm glad we, we ended up over 500 on the trip, but we got tighter as a group as well. That sounds legit. I mean, obviously, actions speak louder than words. Let's see what happens. But that sounded really legit. Had a big smile on his face saying, fun road trip, talking about the group coming together a little better. He talked about, you know, when you have a road trip of two or three games, it's just you fly in, you land, everybody's tired, uh, guys go to bed. Then you have a day in a city, and you might go to dinner after an earlier game, but you're already off to the next spot. He said this was two straight weeks on the road. And you hate to say this because everybody wants to be close to their families. But when you're on a road trip like that, your family might meet you at a city. Maybe two of them. That's it. There are seven games, 14 days of just being together with the guys. And I do think building chemistry goes a long way in building wins. When you know what motivates guys, maybe, you, maybe you're frustrated with somebody at work. I mean, this is real life here. You're frustrated with somebody at work, and then you find out 
exactly what that guy's going through. You find out why life has been tough lately for that guy. And then you don't realize that that's affecting his work and you're judging him by the work. And now you realize, you know what? Maybe that's why that guy got got, got a little fired up a little too fast. Maybe that's why that guy's work has been a little unfocused lately. On the flip side, as somebody might talk about some of the issues they're going through, now that they got that out and they feel like everybody's more understanding of them, it also works in reverse as motivation in which, wow, you know what? These guys are here for me. I don't have to chase my tail. I, uh, you know what? I, I, can, I can do better. I can do better. For these guys, I want to do better. And it does create a connection. And I, I'm telling you this because it's happened with other teams. But I'm not telling you this as if I'm making a prediction. I'm not trying to sell you that this is the moment. Because this Suns team has had far too many times where they have not gelled together. And that's a problem. And since they're not gelling together, I don't want to get all excited about a 4-3 and three road trip. But I do want to take Kevin Durant's word for it, that maybe this is what the team needed. They got what they needed. I would be all in if they had beaten Atlanta. If they went 5-2 and two on the road trip and one of them's a fluke game, I don't say a fluke, but one of them's a crazy game when Booker scores 60 and you lose, I, I would say there's enough here that I'm happy about it. But the Atlanta game came after the same road trip. Okay, it's late in this fun road trip that they had. And you still laid an egg, still didn't bring the intensity, and it still had everything to do with the first quarter. So, you know, KD, I want to believe you. But actions speak louder than words. I did like what Bradley Beal said standing on the court at the end of the game against Washington because at least he acknowledged this road trip on the court should have had better results. Well, it's beyond important. We know we gave up some games. We shouldn't have lost. Uh, we, we can't get them back now, but the biggest thing we can do is control the next game, and that was today. And now we wanted to make sure we had a winning record going back home, and we're 4-3, hopefully sitting at the five spot, I think, now. But nonetheless, we, we still got some work to do before break. All right. I, when you acknowledge that you gave away games, the first part is not being in denial. The first way to turn around the season is not be in denial. And at least he's not in denial. At least they're acknowledging this should have gone better. Because I want to hammer home the point of the stat I gave you. This streak of games, you're playing against teams that will have a 475 winning percentage. I'm not asking them to be on a 21-game winning streak. Okay? That's crazy. I get crap happens. But at the same time, I'm not going to jump up and down because you went 15-6 and six in a stretch of 21 games against mostly the dogs of the NBA. And when I say the dogs, I don't mean – I mean dogs that bark, not dogs that bite and fight. You went through your stretch of games against the weak, and you did okay. All right. Now, now what? Now that the schedule turns harder, now what are you going to do? Let's find out. Right now, this big three doesn't even have home court advantage in the playoffs. 
Is that too much to ask for them to be a top three team in the NBA's Western Conference? I'm not even saying in the league anymore. I'm not even saying, hey, let's be a top three team in the league. I'm not talking about fighting for home court advantage throughout the playoffs. I'm just saying, can you at least be third place in the Western Conference? With all of that money, all of that talent, and a defensive genius as the head coach, I don't think being a third-place team is too much to ask, and you haven't been able to do that this year. Don't tell me about injuries. Don't tell me about the storm. Just tell me if you brought the ship in. And so far, they haven't. Now, we'll see if this road trip truly was a get-together moment by the way they play against the Milwaukee Bucks. All right, coming up next. Got to talk ASU, U of A, and the performances of the Sun Devils and the problems that are there. Bobby Hurley actually opened up to the media, and it's obvious. There are massive issues with this team right now. Will Bobby have to pay for it with his job? And then I got to talk to you about the Senior Bowl. A lot of things to go over draft-wise later on in the show. It's all coming up next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on the home of the Arizona Rattlers and the Tucson Sugar Skulls. This is WTSMTV.com. So in the Franz household, we have an air conditioning unit, an air scrubber, a reverse osmosis system, and a tankless water heater all purchased from Parker & Sons. Why? Well, number one, because we trust them. We got to know Parker & Sons about six months into living in Phoenix, and they've showed up on time, got it right the first time, and treated us great every single time. So why would we go anywhere else? The other thing I like is some of the products have even saved us money. The reverse osmosis system gives us bottle quality water from a tap. And then the tankless water heater, I can't even imagine how much money it has saved us. We never run out of hot water, even on holidays when people are coming in to visit. And it doesn't heat up water and then just let it sit in a tank. It only heats it up as we use it. So we only use the electricity when we need it. And our air scrubber takes allergens and bacteria out of the air, which has just been a dream for my wife and my youngest daughter, who have some pretty heavy allergies. Call 6022-REPAIR to learn about these products. That's 602, the number two, that R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker & Sons. Rosati Sports Pub in Chandler. It's on Ray and McQueen. Sounds like a sports bar. What's the difference? You walk in and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub and Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game. The ASU press conference was was simply just strange. It was just strange. Um, there was kind of a resignation from Bobby Hurley. Bobby Hurley is not a quitter in the sense of checking out mentally. Bobby Hurley is one where... He will fight to the death, and he's going to coach his butt off the rest of the year. That doesn't mean you can't be a fighter and a realist at the same time. And a realist would say 
these problems we have might be insurmountable, but I'm still going to fight like crazy to fix it. You know, a lot of people mock me when they get on the golf course with me because they say, you got to start thinking positive. And I've always joked, I don't have, thinking positive isn't going to fix my swing. I'm positive I'm terrible. Thinking about it isn't going to help. Okay? That's, that, listen, when you look at my, me play the game of golf, you're not going to look at me and say, oh, that's a mental problem. That's not a mental problem. I stink. But I love the game. Bobby Hurley, to me, is going through a similar situation where he knows something. His team stinks. And he knows he's going to have to fight like crazy to fix it. But they lost to Cal 81-66. And when a coach continues to lose games for the exact same reason, it's hard to justify returning that coach. I think Bobby Hurley's going to get another year because there isn't an athletic director. I don't think an AD is gonna, a new AD is going to come in and the first thing they do is fire the head coach. I, especially when you look at all the drama and problems on the football side of things that led into Kenny Dillingham's hiring. But I totally believe Bobby Hurley will start next year with a new AD and on the hot seat because this weekend to lose to the Northern California schools and not really look very competitive in doing it, this is a problem. Jose Perez, who at times has been your workhorse, I don't want to say savior, but your workhorse kind of gut check kind of guy, got benched in the second half and the coach said that was a coaching decision and that's all I'm going to say about it. Wow. When that happens, there are problems. And then listen to some of these stats. Cal went 16 of 19 from the free throw line. ASU went 4 of 7. That's because ASU either has no bigs or has scared bigs that don't create contact underneath. Cal shot 50% from the field. ASU only 38.6 because, again, same problem. ASU has shooters. No, I shouldn't say that. ASU has people shooting the ball who aren't shooters. And for some reason, Bobby Hurley has never stopped the non-shooters from continually shooting three-point shots. His idea is, at this level, you need to make that. That's true. But if you've got guys that can't make it, maybe they shouldn't be on this level. And that's the problem. And that's what you see. Now listen to the tone of voice of Bobby Hurley. Here's his opening statement of what just happened. And he basically walks right in and says... We've got a major problem without saying the magic word of agenda. Didn't play well in the first half at all. It was just uh, both ends of the floor. And, uh, you know, we, we talked about their, their big three. You know, they got three guys that, that really statistically have uh, had a great season at all. You know, we wanted to try and neutralize at least one of those three guys and, and try and maybe, you know, just chop a couple of points off their their season averages uh you know being a, we're on our home floor but you know that didn't happen so you can't uh you know we had the same amount of uh field goals as they did you know they just shot a better percentage from the field and from three you know 50 percent from three so we really didn't do the job we needed to do defensively and uh we really only had like one legitimate chance you know when we we caught it to 11 and kamari lands was in the open court and uh and and 
you know, I guess on his own fell down and wasn't able to, uh, you know, to uh, to get a, a clean shot at the basket. Other than that, like once that didn't go our way, uh, things uh, spiraled again. Now, if you didn't see the game, that's another attack on the officiating. Um, the way where I sit in the press seating is in one of the corners next to the student section. The play of Kamari lands on a breakaway is going the other way. So there's the only way I can know what truly happened is to have the view in front of me as it comes by. And I don't have Pac-12 network at home, so I couldn't watch the replay necessarily. What I do, I know this sounds hilarious, when I'm watching Pac-12 games or games on the Pac-12 network is – I, they give you a five-minute preview, so I actually watch the game for five minutes, and then I delete the app and clear all my cookies, and then I download the app again, and I watch another five minutes. <laughs> I know, I know. I know, it's ridiculous. But, hey, that's what the, that's what the Pac-12 wants. That's why the Pac-12 doesn't exist anymore. Ignorance and leadership from people like Larry Scott and Dr. Crow are why the Pac-12 is dead. So... That's people like me who have direct TV. This is what we've got to do to be able to watch it. So I have not seen that play specifically on a better view as of yet. But it did look like a foul going the wrong way. Looked like a little shove in the back and a swipe across the front. Looked like Lands lost his balance because of the hit. It looked like an official was slow to get back. Either lack of hustle, lack of awareness, or just being old. One of the three didn't get in position. Bad missed call. But, listen, I don't support Bobby Hurley getting a technical and totally losing his mind. He says he's fighting for his kids. I say you need to have a better game plan and your kids need to play better so that one call doesn't derail an entire game in which you were trailing massively at the end of the first half anyway. So there's a lot that goes into that. Well, then he was asked about the first half and how that lead was able to get started and listen to how he talked about the problems of the first half. I mean, some guys didn't play well, and uh, you know, but you know, you, you, you got to be you got to be on the same page. You know, we you know we could not get the group to function as a team in the first half. You know, I, I I'll coach that second half game all all year long, or every game the rest of my life. If that's you know it, that team in the second half that we had, how we we battled. You know, it wasn't perfect. You know, we we. Put them on the free throw line too much. We, uh, you know, we didn't defend as good as we're capable of. Uh, we had, you know, okay breakdowns, but it, it was a team that was, in my opinion, felt like it was all pulling in the same direction, regardless of good things or bad things happening. What I really like about that is. He's right about the second half, but they still lost the second half by three points, so let's not get that excited about it. But he, when he says we're not pulling in the same direction, and he's already made comments before about the lack of connectivity, that means, guys, sometimes it's a, it's a, it's a whole barrel of things. But he has made mention that there's pressure on these guys, to, and they're listening to outside voices. 
that's usually means you've got a selfish team. And there's one of two things that have happened, and they're both coaching. Either you recruited the wrong guys, or it didn't matter who you recruited, you weren't able to bring them together. Because it's now February 5th. This game was February 3rd. If you haven't got your guys connected by February 3rd, there are massive problems. So the rest of the media didn't jump on that connectivity comment. So they're asking about being connected. Or they're not asking about being connected. It was driving me crazy. And and I'm not trying to attack students, but some of the students are learning and they were asking just pointless questions. And, and a lot of times what students do is they'll be thinking of their questions so hard during the game and they're so excited to jump in and ask this question. And they don't just listen. Just listen to the coach. And when a coach says we weren't connected, we've got five guys going in different directions. That is a huge statement. And you got to jump on a statement like that. So I waited till the students were done with their questions. And then I asked a question and I said, "Coach, let's go back to what you mentioned about connectivity." Sometimes you have a lack of connectivity because you actually have not roles defined. And guys, they're not trying to be an individual. They want to win. And they say, hey, listen, I'll be the one to take us. And then as soon as that guy misses a shot, somebody else says, no, no, no. It's my team. I'm going to be the one that carries us. And then somebody says, no, it's my team. But nobody tries to win the game defensively. Nobody tries to win the game within a team concept. Or you don't have connectivity because you have five different agendas. You actually have a selfish problem. What's going on here? Now, before you fire it, uh, Izzy, I want to explain. He's answering my question at first, and then a guy named Hode Rubino, after the connectivity standpoint, jumps in with a follow-up question. And the follow-up question has to do with, is, is there any chance that your loss against Stanford affected the guys a little more than you expected? And we actually find out about team meetings and things like that. It's clear Bobby Hurley knows he's got a problem. Yeah, hard to put my finger on it. We've been, you know, working hard as a staff. We, uh, you know, we we met for a long time yesterday with the team and just talked about a lot of things, you know, relevant to performance and, and playing winning basketball. And, you know, we we didn't do that. We didn't do that at all in the first half. We just were out there playing, you know, you know, just uh, we're, there was no urgency, no desperation. It was just it was like, hey, this is another game. Let's let's uh, let's go hoop. So on that note, did you feel the loss to Stanford maybe affected the mindset more than you care? It's always a possibility that uh, anytime you're losing, you're going through a bad stretch like we are right now. There's there's that's when all the fingers start coming out and they start pointing uh, in different directions because uh, no one wants to take responsibility or accountability for everything but this is you know this is this is my masterpiece so you know ultimately it's on me you know I you know I uh, had to reconstruct the entire roster virtually and this is my team and you know if if uh, if everyone doesn't like it then there's nothing that I could, you know, we could really do about it at this point. We're just, uh, I'm focusing on trying to see who's committed on Monday when we hit the practice floor again to get ready for, you know, some very difficult games ahead of us to, you know, to be totally invested and committed to want to play winning basketball. 
That's a beaten down man. I mean, there's there's no other way to put it. That's a beaten down man. Now, some of you might hear that and say he's quitting. You know, he, he's quit on the team. I, I don't hear that. But I understand why you would think that. I really do. I'm not saying you're ridiculous, insulting, crazy. I, I think you're wrong, I admit it. But I understand why you would think that. When he says something like that, hey, this is my masterpiece, I take that to believe not that he's quitting, that he's so angry at himself for not getting these guys together sooner. And when you bench a Perez, that that clearly means he's staring at that guy right there. And it's an interesting thought because Perez started as the hustle guy. And now he's the big three-point shooter. And the ball is not popping. When it hits Jose Perez's hands, the ball is sticking. And he's not playing defense the way he was before. But none of them are. And that's just such a strong phrase. Hey, this is my masterpiece. Meaning I've got to own the fact that I'm not getting these guys to play. And he said before that, we even had a meeting on Friday to figure out what happened. This is about the third meeting of the year. Good teams win, bad teams have meetings. And this is the third meeting this year, trying to get guys to come together and actually play hard and play for each other. Boy, if it hasn't gone south already, it can get real ugly in the mountain schools. When you play at that level of elevation, it's really easy to quit if you're not connected to each other. It's real easy to be tired and not have that internal fortitude to get back on defense. Let's really pay attention to the game at Colorado and to the fast break points of Colorado. Or let's at least watch how often they get back and get bodies in front of bodies defensively. There's two stats to keep a lookout for in this game. And that, well, really three. It'll be Colorado's offensive rebounds, Colorado's points in the paint, and Colorado's fast break points. If two out of those three go Colorado's way, I bet it's an effort issue. I bet it's an energy issue. I bet it's a passion issue. And in the pros, I'm really hard on players for those stats. I don't blame coaches for lack of effort. You're a professional. Do your job. I do get on coaches when it's in college. And Bobby Hurley's got to have a massive change this week or it's clear there's a disconnect and they've tuned out their coach. Now, in today's day and age, that might mean so what? Just get new players next year, okay? You tune out your coach, so what? You're not building anything anymore. It's, it's all a yearly event, and I, I believe in that. The problem is Bobby Hurley gets the best out of people who do stay long-term. He's a builder of long-term things, and that's why they were so much more successful pre-COVID. Pre-COVID, he was building something that within the terms of ASU was special. The reason why I say within the terms of ASU is because it's not like they're going to the Final Four. But you took a program that was downtrodden and he's building it up brick by brick. It was looking good. Post-COVID and then into the NIL era, it's more about what are you doing for me lately, coach? And it might mean he's not the right guy for ASU. He's probably got about 18 months, less than that. He's probably got about 14 months 
to prove he's the right guy going forward. Let's take a look at U of A. U of A won 82-71 over Stanford. But the difference is halftime. Stanford's leading the first half by 11, 45-34. They get destroyed, Stanford does. 48-26 in the second half. Barely either team had shot any free throws in the first half. Neither team was aggressive at attacking the paint. And it ends up with U of A at least making 14 free throws. Stanford only got to the free throw line six times in the whole game. U of A played entirely different in the second half. And Tommy Lloyd just sits down afterwards after two, a tale of two halves and says, yeah, that was fun. I mean, not today. I mean, I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm just keep reminding myself that I need to coach calm and confident. You know, I think that's when we're at our best. And, and I try to, you know, it's sometimes a challenge with my staff, you know, especially some of the Italian guys on my staff. But, uh, but, um, but, but, you know, he brings great spirit and great energy and he means well and his fire helps us as well. So, you know, my job is to stay calm and confident. I just told our guys, hey, you know, I mean, that, that's why over the course of a season, you need the experience against like UCLA and, and overcome it, which wasn't easy to do down 19 then down 17 in the second half to overcome it. I think it gives your guys a certain, you know, sense of belief that, that we can do this. And our guys came and, and we got off to, I think, I mean, for the most part, I think we won every segment in the second half, which was uh, pretty impressive. That, the original, que- he talked more about coming back in adversity, but the original question was about his demeanor and and how did he handle um was he more rah rah down by 10 was he more in their face how you know where were you at coaching style wise and and he says you know what i think we were better when i'm calm now every team is different but it's hard not to juxtapose tommy lloyd versus bobby hurley Bobby Hurley, wildly emotional, angry at the refs and looking at his team saying, where are you? You're not connected. While you And then you, you see no second-half turnaround. I would say, I guess, a small one. You still lost 43-40 to 40 in the second half today, ASU. But it's still not good enough. While you look over here at U of A, a calmer – a coach with an entirely different demeanor and then looking at his guy saying, man, you stink. What are you going to do about it? How are we going to get this fixed? And they really did a better job of an actual tangible change of getting the ball down low, attacking the 10 more, and not thinking we need to shoot our way out of it with three-pointers like ASU does. We just need to play harder, play with more intensity, and attack more. Get them to the get ourselves to the free throw line because then you can score points without the clock moving. It's the difference between the type of offensive coordinator that as soon as they're down ten points in the first quarter, they panic and abandon the run. That looks like ASU. ASU's answer is always we're trailing, let's shoot more three pointers. Well, does it matter that you don't make them? No, let's just shoot more three pointers. Here's U of A saying, All right, since we're trailing. Let's run the ball more, if we make a football analogy. Let's attack the rim more. Let's not shoot more threes to try to come back. Let's get their players in foul trouble. Let's get ourselves to the free throw line so now we have a rhythm in our shooting. We have a chance to calm down. Look at the rim. 
focus on getting the flow of our shot down consistently, and then look what happens. Suddenly, we're able to shoot from distance when we get the ball down low first. Much better way to get yourself out of a problem is the way U of A is doing it. Uh, Caleb Love was fantastic uh, in in the U of A game. 18 points, 8 boards, 7 assists. Ballow, one of his best games, 18 points, 13 boards. And with Coach, the the talk was how the players made mention of getting everybody else involved. The players made mention of just simply feeding the hot hand but also feeding the open shooter. And Tommy Lloyd, again, you can tell Lloyd is in full sales mode. He takes one question about sharing the ball and turns it into Tucson is the greatest city in America. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're a team. I mean, we're, we're a program. And, you know, we talk about that stuff on a daily basis. And, you know, we're never going to be a program that's going to try to showcase one player. You know, I mean, you know, we, we want our team to, to represent Tucson. And, and Tucson's, a, you know, a tough blue-collar town, and, and that's how we want to play. And, you know, we don't, no one needs to shine. We just need to get the result. And, and that's how we approach it. I'm off it. <laughs> Man, is he this last two weeks? First of all, if you're listen, if you're a Tucson fan, if you're a U of A fan, how you got to buy Tommy Lloyd T-shirts? Okay, I, I mean he's doing a fantastic job connecting with you. You've got to love it. And the marketing side of me thinks this is all brilliant. So I'm totally on board with what he's doing. But let's be clear, I'm seeing right through it at the same time. Okay, this is. The reason why Tucson's a blue-collar town is because you have road construction all the time. All right? Somebody has a racket going on of going around and destroying streets so you can have 24 hours of road construction. That's why you're a blue-collar town. This is this is the biggest suck-up job ever that's going on. And it's going to work. I mean, it's going to work. But the question is... What does it say about your guys that you share the ball a lot? We're a blue-collar town. Come on. We represent Tucson. That's that's so fun. And and listen, let me be clear. If he was talking about one of my teams, I would love it just as much as I think U of A fans should love it. Since I'm an outsider, I can mock it and make fun of it. But, oh, man, if if Tori Lovello went there – after like three comebacks in a row, I'd be like, yeah, go D-back. You know, when it's my team, I would lose my mind too. But, man, I see right through it when it's not. Uh, Umar Ballo, really good weekend for him. Dynam- I mean, this team is borderline elite eight, possibly final four, when they've got everything working. And this is such a crazy year in college basketball. Don't dismiss it. But if Umar Ballo is playing passively – I don't think U of A makes the Sweet 16. I I don't think they get out of the first weekend. I think it's that big of a difference between the aggressive not getting in foul trouble Umar Ballo and the passive going through the motions Umar Ballo. What are you seeing from Ballo over the course of this weekend, Coach? Well, it's time. You know, it's time. I mean, now. Like, that's what I keep telling him now. Like, well, let's go. And, and you know, he's... You know he's he's rising to the moment, and you know he's battling. You know he's he's not a hundred percent healthy either. So for him to come out and play the way he did is, 
you know, pretty impressive. And uh, he had a great weekend. And you know, let's let's let's. I, I like the trend we're on. Let's keep it going. I am a big fan of of that conversation there. As much as I'm kind of backhandedly ripping him for the Tucson's blue collar. What I like is Ballo has had his best weekend of Thursday-Saturday games. To my knowledge, you might be able to look it up and say, Doug, don't you remember this weekend? And you show me the numbers, and I have to go, oh, yeah, I'm wrong. But off my memory, I'm thinking this is the best weekend he's had this year. And yet the coach isn't isn't giving him a, a round of applause. That was not a coach putting his arm around him and saying, I love Ballo. He's trying so hard. His line was, I've told him, let's go. Like, this is supposed to be the case. I'm not celebrating it. I'm going to respect him because he's hurt. He hasn't specifically said all of the damage that's being done underneath. But that wasn't a guy that was ready to heap praise. That was a guy ready to say it's about time. I like that attitude uh, from Tommy Lloyd. All right, coming up next. Got some coyotes to talk about. Really interesting situation going on with them right now. And I want to dive into the Senior Bowl because I think you can tell so much about the character of people at the Senior Bowl. And I would hope the Arizona Cardinals are paying attention. And then I have to rip my favorite team. What are we doing? That's next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on the home of the Tucson Sugar Skulls, because Tucson's a blue-collar town. And the Arizona Rattlers. This is WTSMTV.com. It's big, it's juicy, it's meaty. Get your burrito at Burrito Express. Burrito Express started with my father about... 25 years ago, he got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family. My brother and I were older teens, 17, 18 year old. And I'm going to do a trial out of my house. So literally we decided we're going to start out of his house. So we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area, literally started delivering burritos out of our home in Mesa, Arizona. And after about a month, he said, let's do this. Went and found his first location. And believe it or not, that's how it started. We started with one location back in 1995. Now we're where we are now. Can't wait to kind of dive into the Senior Bowl here in in just a second, but I want to update you on one of the things that's kind of interesting. I don't know how you feel about this comment of of the philosophy of the old station, okay? But it was always kind of funny. There was this hypocrisy that went on at the old station, and I'm sure I'm not supposed to share this, but, you know, it's been two and a half years now, in which whenever there was an email sent that included the Coyotes, it was always how much we love the Coyotes, go Coyotes, go Coyotes. And it was good cop, bad cop. But then... Behind closed doors, if we ever talked about coyotes, then I would I would just get ripped. I would just get totally ripped if I brought up coyotes. And then they would show numbers on the website of articles that were written about the Cardinals and how many people read it. And articles that were written by the coyotes and how few people read it. 
So it was like in front of the Coyotes, let's act like they're incredibly important to us. And then when the Coyotes aren't looking at us, it was like, guys, get real. Come on. We just want to have the Coyotes so we can say we have everybody. All right. Um, I, I mean, it was it was funny. Like, there was even one time that there was an email sent about how excited we were for the potential for the playoffs and all the coverage we're going to do and blah, blah, blah. And that was from one guy. And then another guy came in and walked in to talk to Wolf and me about that's really not what we're going to do. <laughs> it's like such just so blatant the way they tried to play this game. Well, I bring this up because there was one subject we were always told is important. And that is they don't care about, you know, fans in this market don't care about the team, but they care about the team's future of whether or not we're going to lose them or not. And that was a subject that we were supposed to talk about. And they were prop- they were proven right time and time again. I'm not saying my old bosses were wrong. I'm just laughing at the hypocrisy and the dishonesty that they displayed behind closed doors. But when I look at this situation here, you do need to know about this. Marty Walsh is, he, I forget what he did originally, but I think he was like either in in a Massachusetts, I think he's from Massachusetts. I think he used to be maybe uh, somebody in a presidential cabinet. I can't remember. Sorry, if I, if I was good at my job, I would remember that. Do you mind, uh, Izzy, bailing me out? Izzy or Jeff Weir Production, will you look up the name Marty Walsh and and tell me and find like his Wikipedia page and let me know what he used to do politically because he was important politically. Well, now he's the director of the union, the executive director of the NHLPA. And he went off at the All-Star Game. So there's a Gary Bettman press conference and there's a Marty Walsh press conference. And Marty's all fired up. He says it's the job of the Coyotes to meet with him and explain to him what the future holds. Now, I don't know if it is really. Like I I'm not really on the side of Coyotes management. I I don't I don't I think this owner and president are kind of squeamish a little bit. I don't really like them very much, but I don't want to act like I know them totally. I've just been around them a couple times on the old show, and it just it just felt squirrely. You know, you ever get a, a feeling of a guy that they're a little squirrely? However, I still rip Tempe voters for not under, taking the time to understand the proposal. That arena deal, if you voted no on it because you said, Doug, I got the same feeling that these guys are a little squirrely. I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not. I got it. Okay. What, what, yeah. What, what? What did he used to do? Uh, Mayor of Boston and United States Secretary of Labor. Oh, that's it. What well, do you do? You happen to know was that under Obama? Uh, Democratic Party. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but, does it say the years that he was the uh, Secretary of Labor? Uh, Secretary of Labor from 2021 to 2023. Okay. Good. Gotcha. Thank you. That was outstanding uh, by you. Um, that is uh, so 2021 2023. Oh, that is. That means he just left it. So that was under President Biden. So I thought it was a lot longer ago. Man, that was great. Thank you for that update, Izzy, because I, I kind of butchered my memory. So he is Department of Labor. You can see he's on the labor side of things. And basically, when you hear Department of Labor, if you are a conservative on the Department of Labor, then you're probably pro-business and you're trying, you believe in a theory that says cut taxes, get more businesses going so they'll hire more people. So you're pro-labor that way of more jobs. 
And if you are more of the liberal Democratic side and you're from the labor side, you're normally pro-union. And you say you want to have a stronger union and you want companies to make more concessions in order for the labor workforce to have higher wages, safety that might go to the point that cuts into profits, things like that. I'm not telling you what to think. I'm trying to tell you here's kind of the point of view of both sides normally on that. So therefore, you've got Walsh now from a liberal state of Massachusetts, a liberal city in Boston, and working for a liberal president. And you can see that he's more on the union side of things. And then what does he get? He gets to become the executive director of the union. So obviously, great move by the NHLPA to get somebody to run their union that probably has political aspirations right along the same lines. So you can understand then his belief system. Hey, Coyotes, you should meet with me. You should be telling me what's going on all the time. While the Coyotes are probably like, what do we, we owe you nothing. We owe you absolutely nothing. My job is to win games, build an arena. Well, that does not involve you, okay? That's probably what the Coyotes are thinking. I would say I would be pro-Coyote on this conversation if I didn't think they were kind of squirrely. Now, the reason why I ripped Tempe voters a second ago is other than that one reason of thinking that they're a little squirrely, all the other reasons that were put out by the anti-group are idiotic, dishonest fools, okay? I don't believe that was what, what really was going on. What I believe is going on, if you're a union dude, man, I bet your union has fought like crazy for you. I totally support what your union is doing for you. This is now a personal opinion. I don't like unions that are overly political. I disagree with that. And it is my belief that because the hotel that was going to and apartments and, and was going to be associated with the arena was going to be a non-union hotel, I think the unions took money and union dues and turned around and ran an underground political campaign making it look like it was backyard neighbors coming together when in truth it was a highly sophisticated campaign to try to not allow somebody to build a non-union hotel that bothers me because to me that's now political it, that's different then, oh, we're not going to allow other people to get jobs. We only want union jobs. You're not protecting the people of your union. You're fighting against people that are willing to work non-union. I, you might say that's exactly what a union should do. And I, I understand your opinion. I just happen to disagree with that. So I think what's best for Tempe? What was best for Tempe was that deal. That was an unbelievable deal. Negotiated by, negotiated by people that actually got kind of over on the Coyotes. The Coyotes had to do a ton to make that profitable. And it all benefited Tempe. And since the deal benefits Tempe, I don't like a union secretly coming and destroy it. Now, if the union would have went public and said, hey, we're the one funding, this is all my opinion, we're the one funding this anti-campaign because we don't think it's right to build a non-union hotel. So since you're not going to hire union workers in running the hotel, we'd like this hotel not to be built. So we're going to work hard to defeat this program. Okay, then. If, that, if you're that blunt, honest, and upfront with people, then we put all of our chips on the table and it's okay. But using the tired, no tax breaks for the billionaires, 
There's nobody that's going to build on that land if they're not a billionaire. <laughs> Are you and I? Izzy, let's put our money together and build an arena. That land used to be landfill. The cost to build on that land was crazy. And the coyotes were going to pay for it. Okay, then. If it's such a terrible idea to build an arena there, and that land should be used for so many other things, hey, backyard yahoos, what have you built on it? See what I mean? Having said that, I kind of go off on a tangent there. Marty Walsh is upset. Here's what Gary Bettman had to say about the news and the latest situation of the Coyotes because the Coyotes' ownership has missed every soft date or soft deadline they've been given. There's nothing new. Uh, Alex Morello is focused on one piece of property, and we're focused with him on what that timeline is. And my guess is that's something that will be addressed in the next few weeks. Alex Morello, as recently as last week, told me he was certain he was going to get this done. And I don't make it a practice of contradicting owners unless I have hard facts to the contrary. Uh, and uh, I'm both hopeful that uh, and, and reasonably, reasonably confident that he's going to do what he says. <laughs> okay, first of all, when I went through sound credits earlier, I didn't know we were going to be able to find that. Great job, Izzy and Jeff Weir Production. Thank you. So sound credit to PHNX. Thanks for letting us have that, guys. Um, I'm reasonably, uh, reasonably confident that he's going to be able to get this done? I'm not confident at all. I think the Coyotes are dead. I do. I do think the Coyotes are dead. Salt Lake City is pushing like crazy for a team. Houston's been pushing for a while. Here's the catch. The Coyotes, I believe, want to buy land north of the 101 North Scottsdale area. There is land up there that is owned by the state. It's called state trust land. And according to the law, if you want to buy it, you petition the state to then sell it. Then the state, if they agree to sell it, they must advertise that this plot of land is for sale for at least 10 weeks. And then there's always all kinds of arguments that say, no, you shouldn't put it for sale. This reason, this reason, this reason. So they say the minimum advertising period is 10 weeks, but it can be a lot longer. Then if you finally get the state to agree to sell it, they don't sell it to the coyotes. They sell it as an auction item. They auction off the land to the highest bidder. So somebody could come in and outbid the coyotes and now the land is theirs. So to say there's a plan in place, it probably means that at best you're in a new arena in four years. Obviously, at worst is you don't even get an arena. But at best, it's four years. And at worst, but still getting the arena, I would say probably 10. I would say probably 10 years. It's anywhere between four and 10 years to go through all of the political red tape to get an arena built there. 
Now, this is coming from an inexperienced guy. Please keep in mind, I've read a lot of articles. I've talked to three people. I I do not want to come across as a guy that's unbelievably well-versed in state land management, okay? But when I, you can see I'm not that knowledgeable because look how broad my scope is. The positive of getting an arena, I'm putting it between four and ten years. That's why Marty Walsh is losing his mind because unless you get Glendale to succumb, you're playing in a college arena for possibly eight to 12 years. <laughs> That's where we stand on the arena. Um, it's, it's crazy. It's, boy, Tempe blew it. That, that's all you can say. And, and the Coyotes blew it. They did such a terrible job educating the citizens of Tempe. That that's on them, and that'll always be on them. If I was in charge of the Coyotes, I would have fired my president immediately after that vote came back negative. Uh, really quick, I'd love to talk to you about the uh, Senior Bowl and some of the things that I saw over the weekend. I have watched all of the practices. I wasn't able to watch them live during last week. So if you're a hardcore draft guy, some of this news is a little bit old to you. If you're not a hard, then this might be the first time uh, you're hearing about it. The number one guy I was watching was Bo Nix, the quarterback out of Oregon. I have told you I like the Cardinals actually drafting him with the 32nd pick in the draft. The reason why is do I, do I think he's first-round talent? No, I don't. I don't. But I think he'll develop into a good NFL quarterback, and I want the fifth-year option. I want to be able to wait this out. And I'm only talking about drafting him at number 31 or number 32 because I'm also saying I'm trading down with that Texans pick and I'm getting multiple picks for it. If I can't trade down, I'm not drafting Bo Nix in the 20s. That's too, that's too much for me. I can do too many other positive things with that pick. So only if I get multiple picks and I'm drafting him at the end of the first round. Even if I trade down and I'm drafting you know, number 34, 35 early in the second round, I'm not doing it with Bo Nix there because I'm not doing it if I don't have that fifth-year option. Contractually, it doesn't make sense to me. Well, Bo Nix was right in between bad and horrible day one. (laughs) I'm like watching this and I'm thinking, what is going on? What have I been saying about this guy? Why? What did I watch? I watched almost all of his Auburn games. I watched all of his Oregon games. What is this? I hope what happened is he knew the offense better than his receivers or he's a practice rat and he just wasn't able to go out there and do well because he got better Wednesday, had a really good day Thursday, and had a decent senior bowl. So at least the arrow went up every day. But let's be clear, it started off below bad in day one and kept moving up to okay that's Bo Nix but it goes to my main point I like the idea of him sitting on the bench for a year wherever he goes and look at a Lamar Jackson you might think Doug what are you talking about drafting Bo Nix number 32 I'm not comparing Bo and Lamar's talent Lamar Jackson was picked number 32 don't forget that why because they felt like he needed to develop and they felt like he needed that fifth-year option so they could control that. That's why he was drafted at the end of the first round. 
Now, truth be told, he was 400 times better than three of the four quarterbacks that were drafted at the beginning of the round. So everybody blew it on Lamar Jackson. But you see the point of why I value the fifth-year option so much. So there's your Bo Nix rundown. One player that is not maybe somebody the Cardinals need, but maybe they should look at him anyway. Bailey is a running back out of TCU. I only watched two of his games. I watched them play Colorado last year. I thought, wow, TCU might be overrated. I watched them play one other game, and then I didn't watch TCU again. Uh, I usually am very well versed on a lot of teams. TCU, I watched two games. But I do have Bailey in my notes from the games. Not strong, just says like running back seems tough. Okay, And I, he, I wrote something else about him. So I had two notes watching two games. But then watching him this week, he's 5'9", 205, and he wants to hit people. Like, in non-contact, he's still trying to run people over. I like that. But you don't really know a player's heart, right? You, you don't know how committed they are to winning. No matter how you look at this, this is an exhibition game. The Senior Bowl is an exhibition game. Winning does not matter unless you are the type of person where winning matters all the time. He's the running back. His quarterback threw an interception. The interception's being run back 83 yards. He chases it all the way down the field, makes the tackle at the one-yard line. (laughs) In an exhibition game, he pulls a Larry Fitzgerald, but he actually tackles Harrison at the goal line. He cares that much about winning. And the reason why this is a big deal, a lot of you might say, oh, oh so what? Come on. He's, he's sitting there in a situation where he knows he's on trial. He knows he's being evaluated. He, no. The reason why I will say no to you is this. It's easy to say at the beginning of a play, I've got to play hard because I'm being evaluated. It is instinctual. That you have a hatred for losing that is so strong. That you're such a good character player. That your football character matters to you so much. That the instincts kick in. If he would have not had the instincts and said, oh wait, I've got to try hard for the scouts. He would have been a second or two behind and wouldn't have been able to make the tackle. Because at the beginning of the interception, he would have taken off running. He took off right from the beginning. That's in his soul. Football is in Bailey's soul. That at least tells me he's going to be able to play special teams if he can't do anything. But he also, during the week, he was the type of guy that had no problem in pass pro. 5'9", 205, that's a fire hydrant with legs that wants to injure you. He wants you to know, you just tackled me. I am Bailey. Love kids like that. Um, another player that I know I knew nothing about. I have so much work to do on this young man. Jarvis Brownlee out of Louisville, defensive back. I watched zero Louisville games. Man, I hate to admit that. I consider myself Mr. College Football Junkie. I have hours upon hours of stuff in the DVR. I'm watching college football games that are three weeks old on a Thursday night instead of doing something fun because I want to be someone you can trust during the draft, okay? I really pride myself on this. Zero Louisville games. Okay, I didn't watch any. I have not... I don't know anything about Brownlee. And then I watched this week. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
I, I love Jarvis Brownlee. I don't want to even project around to you because I have talked to no one about him. I have read nothing about him other than some of the pr- people that that he popped to during the week as well. Like I read senior bowl reports to kind of compare my notes with people that write about it. And they wrote about Brownlee too. Uh, Jarvis Brownlee was wonderful. Another kid that I do kind of look at the Cardinals and say, all right, what are we doing here? Braden Fisk is an undersized defensive tackle out of Florida state. Florida state has a player that I do want the Cardinals to pick up Jared verse. I think just looking at mock drafts, I think Jared Verse is underrated. Now, when I say looking at mock drafts, these are people that have their evaluations. They have no idea what the 32 other teams are really looking at. So all it takes is one team to say, Verse is the sixth best player, seventh best player in the draft, and suddenly he's high top 10, okay? It just takes one team. I like Jared Verse more than just about anybody else. And I, therefore, in watching Florida State, allowed the tape to validate everything I was seeing. I watched nine Florida State games, I think, this year, something like that. So I like Jared Verse. And I admit I was focused on him, and Fisk didn't really pop to me. I didn't notice Fisk. I don't have a lot of notes on Fisk. During this week, he was amazing. His intensity, his moves, the way he changed up moves, his ability to move inside or outside a little bit. His, there was everything I wanted to see. I don't, he was not first round to me. So this isn't some, this is day two, day three. I want to talk to some people about what they liked about him, but I really liked Fisk a lot. And I think he would fit greatly into the Cardinals as a rotational defensive tackle, but bring the kind of intensity and heart that that team, I think, desperately needs. And then the last one to talk about is somebody that if you watched it at all, he popped to you. This isn't a surprise. Everybody in football knew about him going into the senior bowl but he's from the Mid-American Conference. And whenever you pop from a max standpoint, then it just validates your tape. If you get run over at the Senior Bowl, then it means, well, you're probably not very good and you just were feeling lucky because you were in the MAC. His name is Quinion Mitchell, cornerback out of Toledo. Uh, Cardinals fans go crazy. Cardinals fans go crazy if you can get your hands on, on Mitchell because this guy is somebody that is going to be a good corner for a very, very long time. 100% first-round talent. Obviously, I'm so strong on Mitchell that A, I'm not alone. I'm not special on that. And B, if he's terrible, this is going to be one of those things that you get to replay 400 times uh, and talk about it for a long time. All right, coming up at 8 o'clock in about 20 minutes, or about 15 minutes, is Steve McCollum and Dale Hellestray. They've got a lot on their plate to talk about. And Steve joins us right now. How was your week? Steve, what'd you do? It was good until I got on the freeway to drive here. Can we go back to the old building? <laughs> you have been attacked on the freeway lately. The only time I've been early is when I've left like 20 minutes earlier than I normally do. Yeah. And then I, then I was like a half an hour, 45 minutes early. Yeah. Is it is it the 10? Is it the 17? No, it's, uh, it? two, it's, the, uh, yeah, it's the 10 to get up to the downtown area. Yeah. 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 It's ridiculous. It's like, it's like Accident Central. I didn't know... I've assumed, I think it's pretty dumb that if you if you don't include the HOV lane, which very few of us are allowed to drive in, yep. I thought you were having a 202 problem because the 202 well, only has two lanes going that, downtown. That's that dumb. That was the uh, day where I didn't show up to like 810 that okay. I went to 202. So now I go 60, 
Uh, like today, I went sixty to ten and cut up to go to downtown. Eh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. And I left. And I left at the normal time today. No problem. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I get it. So what's yeah. what's coming up on the show today? Uh, obviously, uh, Pro Bowl breakdown. I mean, tug of war. Uh, you know, uh, all of that. Uh, NHL uh, competition breakdown. Uh, it's gonna be. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Go have my eyeballs uh, stabbed out. Uh, yeah, look, uh, you know, uh, NBA talk, of course. Uh, you know, second half of the NHL season's coming our way. Are the Coyotes going to push for the playoffs, or are we going to put a fork in them? I guess we'll have to find out. Yeah, I have been. Uh, I've been saying I like the idea of a guard for the Suns. Dana Scott came on last week and said he likes the idea of a big coming yeah. in. Do you think the Suns are even going to be able to do anything this week? I, well, they're not going to be able to do anything. Buyout market's probably going to be, if they if they trade for somebody, it's going to be somebody, you know, they're going to replace a couple of dead weights on the bench with a dead weight on the bench. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I agree. They're not going to go for a guard, man. They're just not. If anything, they're going to go for a defensive shooter or like you said, a big. And I don't uh, know. But the way uh, Watu's been playing lately, Bull Bull, uh, I don't know if I'd go big. Interesting. I look forward to the show. Have, yeah, a, good, yeah. have a good show. Yeah, I'm looking forward to to see what the Suns are able to do. They've got massive trade exceptions, but the only reason you trade trade exceptions to other people is because they want to dump salary. But in order to dump salary, they say, I want something from you. <laughs> so you have to make a trade of draft picks just to take somebody's salary on or you want they want to get under the tax and there's just not a lot of guys that that really fits into and other than that you're trading Grayson Allen he's your one tradable commodity and let me stand on the table and be firm I think your chances of actually winning a championship I don't think they've got a chance to be honest but their your chance goes way down trading Grayson out. I think he has easily played himself out of the trade market. I think it would be a mistake. Now, when you say something like that, obviously, if you're trading Grayson Allen and you're getting, you know, LeBron James and Anthony Davis, you know, I, I say this to be an idiot, but the point is, if it's a lopsided trade, of course, you everybody's tradable, all right? But in reality of what you would get back, I don't know how you get equal value for Grayson Allen. All right, versus Vegas today, uh, I'm a little disappointed. I'm a little disappointed. Uh, I thought for sure I should have gone 3-0. and My Dayton Flyers did not close well at the end of their game Friday. They won 76-71, so they won by five but did not cover the seven-point spread, and I thought that was kind of crappy. So I'm a little upset about that one. Now, the other two I crushed. I told you I really liked not only Dayton covering, but Jerron Holmes going off. He had about 30, 35 points in the game. And the over-under, the total was 134.5. Both teams combined to score 147. So I got that one easy, easy. And then, where are Steve and Dale right now? I want to say this. Where are Steve and Dale? Because after getting mocked on Friday, for saying, I have got problems if I know Kent basketball. I said Kent minus eight on the road. They will cover easily. And I was mocked on the main event. Mocked, I tell you. Kent, 83. Buffalo, 52. 
They won by 31 points. I said I would take Kent minus 8. I'd take a minus 18. They won by 31 points. Now, where is the love? Come on. I usually don't get like that, but... Oh, oh, here comes somebody. Here comes somebody. Let's see. Let's repeat it. We'll wait till Dale walks in. Again, Kent State 83, Buffalo 52. Yes, sir. How's that taste, Stephen Dale? Mocking me for my Kent State knowledge. Kent read, Kent write, Kent State, but we can score against UB. Absolutely. Thank you. All right, now I've said my piece. I just had to wait until Dale heard it. Uh, tonight, I didn't like a lot. I, I didn't like a lot of games tonight. NBA, I, I always look for back-to-backs. And NBA-wise, Charlotte is on the back end of a home back-to-back, but they're just downright terrible. But they're getting 10 points against the Lakers. I thought about it. I thought about it, but no. I don't like to bet on a bad team on a back-to-back, and I don't trust the Lakers to win by 10. And I don't trust the Lakers on who they're going to play. So I'm not touching that game. Clippers are on a back end of a back-to-back at Miami last night at Atlanta tonight. I'm not playing it, but I, I do kind of like Atlanta covering, but not enough to actually spend my money on it. If I was spending your money on it, if somebody was giving me a couple bucks, hey, where, where would you put some money? Well, if I'm going to put your money down, then then I'm going to I'm gonna go with the uh, Clippers not covering. I'll take Atlanta plus the three, but I'm, I'm not playing it. Because it's still the Clippers. They're good, and Atlanta's not. And if the Clippers actually come in focused, unlike the last team that played in Atlanta, then I, I would say that would be why. So I uh, I like Atlanta plus the three, but I'm not actually playing it. The only game I'm on is Rangers. The New York Rangers tonight. Hockey just ended the All-Star break, and you turn right around and you play. And that's kind of weird. And Colorado is a much better team, which normally means the All-Star break is more difficult. Plus, with the All-Star game in Toronto, for the guys that were there with the Rangers, that's nothing to come to come back over to New York. While Colorado, you've been on a road trip. Now you're going to Toronto. Now you're coming over to the Rangers. And the juice isn't bad at all um, on the money line. So, therefore, that's why I'm taking the Rangers on the money line. You get amazing juice if you want to take the Rangers on the puck line. There's no way I'm coming anywhere doing that. It's plus 205. That means if you bet $100 on the Rangers and they win by two goals or more, you more than double your money. Okay, that usually don't get great juice like that on a team that's the favorite, but that's incredible juice. I'm just going to take them on the money line. That means all they have to do is win. And if they win, then I get minus 112. I'm okay with that. That's the only game I'm touching today. Rangers on the money line over the Avalanche, and it has everything to do with an East Coast All-Star game. And actually because the Avalanche are a great team, and I think they're going to be a lot more tired coming out of the All-Star break. That does it for today's version of Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Thanks a ton to Izzy and Jeff Weir Production, especially Jeff finding that Gary Bettman. Uh, I think I think that's an amazing piece of sound. I'm confident. I'm I'm reasonably confident. I'm I'm reasonably confident Alex Morello is going to be able to do what he says. <laughs> uh, okay. 
Thank you, Jeff Weir Production, for finding that. Mikey, I had a great time with you and your wife. Thanks for being the original sponsor ever of Doug Franz Unplugged. Had a great time Saturday. Get out to Bell's National Kitchen, home of the uh, best sandwich as voted upon in the entire state of Arizona, the Nashville Hot Chicken Sandwich, Bell's National Kitchen. It is just off of Scottsdale Road on Main Street in Old Town. All you have to do is as soon as you make your car go east off of Scottsdale Road, Bell's is on your left almost immediately. Great time at Burrito Express on Saturday. Congratulations for the grand opening at Kyrene. Uh, it was a great turnout. Wonderful time, Angel and Mark. We, uh, My family had a great time out there. We appreciate you for everything. And Parker & Sons is the place to go for your heating, cooling, plumbing, and electrical. Call 602-2-REPAIR. That's 602, the number two, that R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker & Sons. The main event is up next. I'll see you tomorrow.